What you're listening to are the very peaceful sounds of Glendale, California, from the perspective of my brand new front porch of the cool new place that I call home here on the West Coast. Um, If you don't know this already, then you're probably an idiot that doesn't know how to use your phone. But you are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. And uh, thank you for tuning in and listening to the Road Trip series. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a little bit about uh, what a crazy, chaotic adventure it can be to pack up your entire life and uh, chase your dreams. And uh, we tried to make it as transparent as possible as we went through that process. Uh, I learned a fuckload about it. And honestly, I was, I was talking to someone this morning about it. Uh, it is the equivalent to doing a small independent film. It really is. It's the same level of stress, the same level of uh, pre-production needed, the same level of uh, on-your-toes sort of a rolling with the punches kind of thing that uh, is with it. And uh, uh, we made it. Thankfully, I didn't have to do it myself. Gina and I worked together and uh, really tackled the shit out of it. Got ourselves out here to California. Our pod showed up on time. Uh, We had to deal with uh, permitting and everything like that, but uh, we finally got the house unpacked. And I am sitting here on the front porch, and I think it's only fitting that we bring Lance back on the show because we talked... Uh, before I left California and now we're both sitting here barefoot on my front porch uh, probably six beers deep hippies right now barefoot on the front porch you've got the wind and the trees and birds and shit in the beginning (laughs) what kind of yoga retreat is this? it's only been a few days and I have been fully converted no that's not true it's not true at all you're you're already gluten free and vegetarian I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble adjusting. I'm already getting into uh, verbal beefs with my neighbors like I would on the East Coast. Beef, nonsense. No, no. No beefs? No beefs. No beefs. No beef. It's always plant-based. <laughs> <laughs> you're having broccoli with someone. I've been getting into verbal tofu. Verbal tofu. Uh... So, uh, yeah, we were just, Lance and I were just sitting here having a bunch of beers and uh, talking about a bunch of good shit, and I was like, you know what, this uh, should be on the show. So we uh, unpacked the old Zoom recorder, and... Uh, gonna talk some shit, man. We're gonna talk some shit. Um, so let's just talk about California in general. Uh, we were talking about how when I was driving in here, just driving across the yeah. border into California changed, like the driving changes, the people changed, the interaction changed. This city has the same, Los Angeles has that same energy that New York City has, but it's just a hell of a lot more sprawled out. And more lanes on the highway, that's about it. Jesus Christ, that highway driving, because you drive uh, Lyft and Uber all the time, right? Yeah, so I mean, really the, the, the big bitches literally the 405 which it seems funny before you come out here you hear people mention highways but you have no frame of reference so you don't get it 
and then you get here and you drive repeatedly and you go, oh, that's all oh, four or five, oh. And then you find yourself sounding like the guru and now you're like, yeah, stay off the four or five after two. You know, but it's it's real, man. Like the traffic gear can get rough. I thought it was the one oh it's the one oh one is the other fucking real shitty one, right? You know what, man, I haven't touched that one too much to be honest. It's up you know? here and it's a fucking bastard. Four oh five is always a bitch for me because that goes to and from LAX. Pretty much anywhere you go between LAX and here, it's it's always the four oh five where it becomes a bitch. But then going north back home to Acton, the fourteen, is also a pain in the ass at a certain time. Up here we're pretty lucky because we have the two, which is so breezy, it's so nice. Yeah. Uh, we've got a bunch of really simple, simple things. I mean, when we were shopping, and I won't talk too much about it because I did a whole fucking series. So if you want to know about why we picked a certain locations, you can go back and listen to the uh, the episodes on uh, traveling cross country. But choosing Glendale, choosing the North has been really great because everything, fucking everything's here as far as what did, you need. Did you talk about in the other episode why you chose Glendale? Maybe. I think we ended up choosing it we initially wanted to get something in Echo Park or Silver Lake. Oh, nice area. Good for food, especially Echo Park. Jesus. Really good for food there. Good for food, right? And that's all you hear. You hear like it's a really amazing place to live, really awesome stuff. So when I started to do the fucking hunt through those spots, the apartments were really expensive. You're talking like $1,400 per person to start. Yeah. Super expensive. And so then... We're going through, and then the, the uh, square footage is really small. It's like 600 to maybe 800 square feet. If you find 1,000 square feet there, you're fucking... And it doesn't sound small. Like, you hear 600, and you're like, oh, nice. But then you get in there, and you see what 600 square feet gives you. you got to think about it. You need a living room, a kitchen. Even, let's say, forget the living room, right? You still need kitchen, bathroom, somewhere to sleep. Yeah. And that could easily be your 600, and then you go, oh, so, so that's a studio. Okay, but then it's 1,500 a month. Or let's say you like Santa Monica, 2000 2400 a month. For what? Exactly. And then I had done enough of that looking around, and I just called up Gina, and I'm like, why are we, are we doing this because there's a street of good bars? Because who gives a fuck if we live right down the street from the bar, if we live 15, 20 minutes away from the bar? Who gives a fuck? You're going to find your way there either way. And lifts are really fucking cheap out here. So, I mean, I don't know how you guys make any money on how fucking cheap they are. Uh, you drive nonstop. You just, it, it reminds me when I used to pedicab in Boston. You know what pedicabs are? No. You know the bicycle cabs? You used to, I used to drive the bicycle, bicycle cab. cab? Oh, yeah. I used to be in uh, the mouth of Hanover Street right in the north end. Yeah. I used to stand out there and just wait for people to come by. Like, hey, you, you got your girlfriend with you. You don't want to walk back to the car with that cannoli. It's going to melt. Come on, hop in. And, and you just rope people in. And you just do that all day long. And you have your idea of how much it's going to cost. But when you do that enough... You get a sense of, okay, some shifts, some parts of the day are going to be shit, not going to make a lot, but then maybe at some point in the day it'll be good. And if you do it for long enough in one day, you always make a good wage, always. So it's the same shit here. You get a lot of fares where like, I'll have people go two minutes, and the app doesn't even register that as a complete trip. And I'll go, oh, you, you, didn't, you didn't go far enough. So I do like anyone, and I drive for about five more minutes, and then I cancel, then I end the trip. <laughs> <laughs> But you, you do you do it and, and is after enough trips enough hours you make what you make and you you feel good about it at the end you know and I mean come on man like you make your own schedule you you get to have the the freedom to do what you want with your career I mean come on man like what else can you ask for and you can make a decent wage what can you have what else can you ask for 
I mean, it seems pretty crucial when you're an actor because you need to have that time to be able to go do uh, auditions. You get an audition pop up and they say, hey, we need this uh, tape by tomorrow. All right, well, if you have a nine to five, you're going, well, cool. I get out of here at five, six, maybe seven. I got to rush home, maybe hit traffic, maybe don't. But then when I get home, I got to do dinner. Let's say you got a family, you got your girlfriend, you got all these things you have to deal with, all these sort of obstacles. Like it's like an RPG where you get, oh, there's the castle, but you have all these mini bosses and all these other things before you get there. Now I feel like Lynette and Gina are gonna listen to somebody goes to my mini boss, you fucking dick. But you have all these other things to overcome before you can actually sit down and then mentally even go, cool, now I'm ready and excited to read this text. But now I have to memorize it, make my choices, do my research, be prepared, and then shoot this thing tonight. Yeah. But then you go, what's well, the scene? So I need someone else to read it with me. Yeah. So now while you're trying to get off book and make all these choices, you're looking at the clock going, fuck, it's like eight. She wants to go to sleep soon. Uh, and, and now you're rushing. But with this, you got that freedom. You can go, well, I didn't make enough yet today, but this comes first, so fuck it. I'm going to go home now at noon, be ready to go. When my roommate or my girlfriend, whoever comes home, I'll let them know in advance. They get to the door, they know. When you hit the door, I got to get this tape done. Help me out. And you jump right into it, and then the rest of the day is yours. That's great. And it's it seems like the smart move. I mean, it's really cool. Um, so... Every episode with me is going to be like, how to do Uber and act. <laughs> well, let's get, let's, we'll transition off of it. I mean, the, the, the point ultimately is that uh, got to California. I've been adjusting to California. It's been the first week here when we first showed up. We beat our, our uh, pod out, so we didn't have a bed. We didn't have furniture. We were sleeping on a, on a futon for seven days. Not a futon, a fucking air mattress for seven days. And... Uh, yeah, my back was uh, not happy about it. But um, it's it's a when you're in a new spot, you always take for granted that everything needs to be recalibrated. Like absolutely everything needs to be recalibrated. Yeah, because the space that you were in is not the same anymore. So you know the way you have it set up, where you're comfortable, you go, cool. This is my life. If I need to get, the, you can almost walk blindly through the room. Now you can't. So you have to really readjust. And you got to get into a space where you can be comfortable now. And then in your case, just like when Lynette and I moved in our place, it's cool. But it's not just me. It's how are you comfortable. Yep. So you have to go into that whole thing. And it really becomes this moment where you're, you're seeing the power dynamic and you're seeing that balance and volley between each other, which is not, truthfully, not really different than being on set. You know, actors to director, you go, this is what you want. This is what I want. Where's the volley where we can find the place in between where we're both happy with the fucking living room? You know? Exactly. When you're living with another person, that's, I could do a whole episode on just how to actually live with somebody else. <laughs> uh, and and uh, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So I like I thought that it would be really cool if we just sort of sat here and talked about uh, California in general. How long have you been out here in California? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the watch thing. Three months and five days. Okay, so three months of five days. What is your favorite spot in California right now? Oh, man. I went to... In Santa Monica, there's a beach. Hold on. We, we, got, we got the Amazon truck going by. <laughs> Hold for truck. <laughs> it's obvious that you're an actor. Hold for truck. Where, where's the PA that's holding on the side? What's going on? Um, there's a beach in Santa Monica that I really enjoyed. 
Actually, you know what? No, I'm not, uh, that's um, Will Rogers State Park, that beach that's there in Santa Monica. But if you go further into Malibu, I forget the name of the beach, but it's near uh, El Condido Fall. And I'm a beach kid, you know, so I can't surf, but I like to body surf, which is essentially just me uh, being real granola crunchy and saying, I get in the water, and then when the wave comes, the wave carries me into land. I just imagine it's like watching, watching like driftwood from a fucking ship, like a sunk ship just float on there. That's it, but I like to think of it like Aquaman, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> Here's long enough now when I come out the water, I can and throw it back, and I feel real sexy. It doesn't look sexy, but um, but no, I mean, so Will Rod between Will Rogers and then following the coast all the way up to Malibu, that whole chunk, man. I mean, just to be in a place where you know you can see mountains and hills and all this beautiful vista, and you get these nice waves, and there's not that many people on the beach to be in that space where you can just you gotta find you gotta find an atmosphere here, especially as a transplant that you can connect with something. And for me, being from Delaware, the beach is home. So when I come here, and it's the Atlantic Ocean, so I get to touch the actual ocean. So being on this side of the coast, I need to touch the ocean. I need to see the water. And there, it sounds silly, but if I'm in a space where um, I can see the water, it calms me because it feels like home. And it, it really brings me down a little bit. And it, it's, a, it's, like, it's like my totem. So you got to find whatever that space is for you that really grounds you. And that will, honest to God, be your favorite spot every time. Um, yeah, I get that. I mean, it's that comfort, especially like we were saying, you're transplanted out of your shit. You don't, you have to yeah. recalibrate everything. Yeah, It's like the setting up the living room. You know, you go, okay, well, we had a set like this. So you try to do it that way, but the room is different size or it's a different setup or there's an accent wall. So it doesn't cater. So you got to find a way to go, okay, but how can we get this so we're comfortable here, but it feels relative, like it feels like home, so I can get comfortable a little bit quickly, a little bit faster. It's so funny how we were sitting out here just uh, 10 minutes before and none of these noises were here. Yeah. It's like we just cued. It's literally like being on a film set. We're like, all of a sudden now every train's going by? What the fuck? Are we over Burbank? What's happening? I like it. This is what you're listening to right now is what it feels like to be on the porch with the two of us. So it's uh you can it's do a whole ASMR episode. I fucking hate those. I fucking hate it. And just have Gina click her nails in front of it. I hate that shit. I hate those people. <laughs> now this is the sounds of LA. This is an IPA we're drinking. <laughs> I never got my phone whispers. I don't understand that part of it. I don't understand that part of it. Why whisper? Just fucking say it, man. You got a great mic. Just say it. It's because when they whisper it, it like makes them even hornier for it. They're just like, so strange. When did we arrive at a place where like just sexual shit was just like real regular? You can't even say normal now because they'll fucking dive into you. Because there's a spectrum and I get it. I totally understand. Totally understand. But like what happened to just being like, I like legs... Like like a nice butt girl, so I like a guy with a six pack. What happened to like that? T- now it's like I like I like guys with real real rotund ears. What? Web toes. I like and women that whisper and have long nails because they can touch stuff with them. That's so strange. No, that brings I don't uh, that brings the hit in me out. I don't, I don't, I don't like any of that shit. Isn't it weird to be in a space where now you're the guy who goes maybe I'm just old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we're sitting and on a that's porch. That's way different than old-fashioned for our parents. 
Old fashioned for them was like, you don't have sex till you're married, and you know, you, you when you get married, you don't divorce. You stay with one person. Now it's like I'm old fashioned. You know, I don't. I'm not crazy about the whispering and the nails on glass. I hate assholes that speak too closely to the microphone. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're like, <laughs> listen, Charlie Brown's teacher, why don't you ring it back a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, nobody knows what you said. <laughs> also, you're peeking on the P's and T's. Relax. <laughs> so, hold on. Beer break? Mm-hmm. So, what are, you, what are you drinking? What is that? Same thing you're drinking. Oh, it's a blue moon. Yeah, we're drinking uh, Belgians. Have you ever had these with the orange? Mm-hmm. First time I had with the orange. It seems so silly, right? They're like, let me give you a beer and put fruit in it. I mean, Corona lime, sure. But to get an orange, it just feels like you just eat an orange and put it in drinks, and that shit is really good. <laughs> this was me getting cultured at one point a couple years ago. Somebody, somebody at Buffalo Wild Wings was like, "Hey, here's an orange slice. What the fuck is this? I'm gonna salad too." No, you put it in your beer. Oh, that's really good. I just go back and listen to that little moment where you just murmur. Your murmur is so good. You eat a fucking orange. You don't put it in a fucking drink. <laughs> <laughs> These are my little asides. Like if I was on stage. I just want to write a whole play with me just doing shit and all the asides over how I actually feel about the things that are happening. It'd be very topical. (laughs) I do the same shit with Gina. Like, if you see us from the distance walking and Gina's mouth is open and she's sort of looking at me, it's because all the murmurs that are coming out of me. Because you've officially said some fuck shit. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. so, So, yeah, man, it's been. Today, I think today's day two. For me, not doing bullshit. Like, I, I never want to see fucking bubble wrap. I never want to fucking right. see another cardboard box in my life. It's fucking worse. Cardboard um, boxes and duct tape can get the fuck out of here. I hate it, dude. So, today's actually day two. And uh, I've been slowly getting my way into the whole thing and trying to acclimate not only sleep-wise, but also acclimate with where I live. I'm trying to, like, get around without using the GPS. Mm. Which is a thing. And Let me ask you something, because I was thinking about this recently. So with you being fresh, you guys have been here for how long now? About like a week, two weeks? Yeah, about a week and about probably like nine, ten days. Okay, so, so you, you're, consi- you're from the East Coast, you're having consistent conversations here and there with people on the East Coast still. Does it feel like, because of the time difference, yes. that you have more time in the day? Yes. Because being here... Okay, cool. Because I, I felt like being here... I talked to Lynette back home, and there's a three-hour difference, so I get up at four in the morning to drive Uber. She's already on the way to work. We chat real quick. I know I know that it's 7 a.m. there already. I know the day's already begun for them, but for whatever reason, because I've been up already this early, whatever time you wake up in the morning, when the end of the day comes, you talk to somebody on the East Coast, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed, and the sun's still out here, it feels like you've cheated death. Like, you've, you've figured something out, and you're like, man, I get, I get fucking, like, three extra hours in the day here. It's such a weird vibe. And, I mean, you're two weeks in. It's been three months. It still feels like that. It's very strange. And then the thing that I noticed is that normally, like, my brother called me the other day when I was, like, unpacking. Oh, and I'm man, like, Brian. That's yeah. my guy. And I was like, I'll just call him back later. And so I got really involved with everything I was doing, and then, it like, 9.30 rolled around. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just give him a call. Yep. And then I was like, fuck, no, I can't. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's asleep. Have you made the mistake of calling somebody and not paying attention to the time yet? And they're like, well, hello? What the fuck are you doing? I called my dad one night. What? Hey, are you okay? And he was so startled. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. What's going on? Why, why are you so startled? He goes, so you call me at fucking two in the morning. I'm like, oh, shit, sorry. It's only like 11 here. I just was going to call to say, hey, real fast. I figured you might be up still. 
Like, oh shit. You like, go fuck go yourself. Fast. Yeah, you go fuck yourself. And he hangs up. <laughs> That's dad for call me tomorrow. <laughs> no, I did, I've done that a couple times. But Gene and I were talking about that because uh, normally I would usually call the parents or something at like 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night. And so now it's like, it's like a morning thing more than it is. Yeah. It becomes that where you start going, okay. Well, let me get on. The, let me get the jump on everything. And uh, my buddy George mentioned this recently, uh, talking about uh, it was a Joe Rogan podcast he listened to, and there was a guy. I forget who it was. Some guy was on the podcast who's uh, now on the West Coast from the East Coast, uh, in the entertainment industry, and he was talking about how the the hustle that you have to have here, being from the East Coast, having connections in the East Coast. He said because if I wake up at six. At 6 a.m., that's that's early for most people. But at 6 a.m., it's 9 a.m. there. People have already been at work for an hour. They're already in it. The emails are already being sent. Choices are already being made. Things are already set in motion. You have to get up early if you're going to try to work with that thing. And I think it's, it's interesting to think that way because you get here, you get acclimated, you make your connections, and you start to work that muscle here. And you realize you don't have to cater to that as much. But by cultivating that sense of time and urgency, mm-hmm. I think it really keeps you on edge of everyone here because you're going, it's 6 a.m., it's 7 a.m., it's 8 a.m., and let's say you get up at 8, that's not a big deal. That's earlier than most people anyway. Yeah. But if you get up at 8 a.m. with the mentality of 8, 9, 10, it's 11 a.m. there, I got to send these emails because somebody's going to lunch soon. Yep. Or it's a Friday, and you're going, ah, it's, it's 1 o'clock here. I'll go for a walk, go for a jog, may have some lunch. But if I do that, in an hour, everyone's going home on the East Coast. And i got to send these emails. If I don't send them now, I won't even hear anything till Monday. So there's a certain sense of urgency. I think if you kind of hold on to that East Coast thing with just the time and let that urgency stay in you, man, it, it seems like it's just that little slice of an edge you can have. Oh, yeah. I've, I've just been noticing that. And the thing that used to drive me crazy when I was back at home and dealing with the people out here and trying to do deals, I would it would be like 11 or 12 back at home, and I'm like, what the fuck? No one's doing anything. It really yeah. doesn't click into you until you're here. And then the actual physical act of having to... It's, it's, a, it's harder this way than it is the other way. The other way, it was just I had to have meetings later at night. So I would have to have meetings at like eight or nine at night. Yeah. You know, but this way here, you physically have to keep that in mind because yeah. someone's going to be in bed or someone's not going to be there. So it's a lot harder to do it. But I dig it because it's a really solid way to start your day. It's like they say, you know, when you get up every morning, if you make your bed every morning, your day just seems to set off better because you're already starting the day making a choice and being productive. So your day already has a good tone to it. Right. So in the same way that us knowing the time difference and sort of getting up and jumping right into it while everyone else here might be sleeping in or going, well, I have these contacts here I have to reach out to, but they're not going to be up yet and they can kind of, you know, relax a little bit. We're always on top of it from the time we open our eyes. And again, it just seems like that's just an advantage. Mm. Maybe it's just a mental thing, but it feels like an advantage nonetheless because you're getting up and going right into it. Mm. And then you're done early too, which Mm. is a nice feeling as well as you get the day for yourself. Exactly, exactly. We transitioned pretty easily into the time zone because of the drive. Because yeah, it was it like, helps. it, it was, uh, what, 10 days. So we, we actually made that transition. But 
I'm still getting up at seven. I'm up at six thirty, seven o'clock every yeah. day. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll find days where you don't have to get up that early. You still just wake up then. You still feel like, well, I went to bed this time. You're still so operating on East Coast that if you go to bed, it feels like I'm going to bed at like six. It's nine, but it feels like six. So if I wake up at five, it feels like eight. I feel like I'm, I'm getting a late start for East Coast. So you're getting up and you, I got to get going. I got, I'm late. And you, you go right into that thing, you know? Yeah, it's been weird. It's been weird. It's been strange. But I'm digging it, dude. There was something really fascinating about uh, A, when I just got on the highway to leave Boston that there was this whole level of stress that just sort of flew off me as I sort of left there. And then even now, I'm pretty goddamn stressed. Like, the difference between me now and me two months ago, three months ago, four months ago, five months ago, I am so much more chill than I was. And it isn't necessarily California that's making me chill. It's just the fact that I was able to just reset. It's like when your phone gets all shitty and your phone starts crashing and you just got to do that power reset thing. It's the same fucking deal. Was that a thing for you guys when you were driving over here? We had to keep doing that? For the phone? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same issue. And my dad was like, well, I got to Georgia and I was just fucking fed up with it. We just upgraded the phone to the 10. And I'm like, this shouldn't be happening. And my dad told me, you got you to power reset it, man. He goes, you've driven halfway through the country. You got to reset it now. And you go, oh, duh. It seems like such an obvious idea. And then you do it and it all just starts to work again. And you're right, man. It's the same way. It's the same way with people. We got to have that reset. Totally do. And then it had been so long for me since I had had that. So, yeah. you know, 18 years. Yeah. So it's shit. it's really nice right now. It, it feels... Holy it, shit, you got a hummingbird in the front. Yeah, and I got a fucking skeeter that keeps biting my ankle. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Don't kill mosquito with cannonball. You squish the <laughs> shit out of him. Get the fuck out of here. Um, but it's been, uh, it's been, it's been crazy. Like... There isn't a overall stress, and there's an urgency, but yeah. Well, let me ask you this: you said it, so. It's not California that that gives you that sense of calm. That makes sense. What was it that 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 sort of settled you down, or made you feel a little more at ease? Is it just the the fact of making the move finally? Is it the the move itself? No. When I was talking about the reset on the phone. I think what happens in our lives is we start to stack things yeah. emotionally. So, and I think it comes down to the simplest bullshit on like, at some point in time, I'm going to have to get my oil changed. And so then that's one thing that you're like, well, I'll do it when I have time. Or you're like, uh, I got to prep this one thing. So you just have all these simple day routines that you're just stacking. And those things just sort of stack in your chest on like, I got to handle this thing eventually. Like at some point, we got to handle this. Yeah. And then some of those things become bigger de- bigger details on like, I need to figure out how to get out of a, uh, a business or I need to figure out yeah. how to, uh, f- my family, this one person in my family's fucking with me all the time and I'm going to fucking approach that. And so you start stacking these things that aren't, essentially on the front burner yeah. they're not the day-to-day things where it's like i gotta go buy fucking groceries but I it's eat not gonna food. go anywhere until you deal with it and then you gotta deal with it and then what i found is that 
I live my life with to-do lists. That's the only way as a freelancer that I can do it. And so on my to-do list, you'll see that I have not only the bigger things. So I'll have like, I need to try to contact, uh, right now, I need to contact a, a good rental house and form a relationship with the rental house. That's a lofty thing. That's the thing that's going to take some time. Or I need to find a specific actor. That's even further out there. That's like a bigger thing. And then on that list, you have the small shit like, uh, I need to go to the fucking bank today. Or I need to make sure that I take the fucking trash out this morning because tomorrow is the thing. simple as, oh man, I got to call so-and-so back. Exactly. You know? So then you have all this shit that stacks on your list. And then those big things keep getting queued further and further back. And then those big things become those, those things on the list that you don't even like looking at because they've been on your list for so fucking long. Yeah. They become monstrous because you've naturally did the order of operations. You go, well, what's easiest to do? What can I just bang out today? What can I just get? call this person, do this thing, check this out, write this, do this. You, you could fly through those things. And then by the time you've done those, well, now it's the end of the day or now you feel, oh, I've had a productive day. I did like eight things off this list. I can do that tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, now it's Thursday, and you've added 10 more things. But you put those things in front of the big thing because those things are easy. You know, I can do those today. Yep. yep. And it sort of feels like a lot, uh, very similar to being an independent artist where you're sort of always treading water, you know, financially, emotionally, with your to-do list. You're always sort of trying to just just keep the waves below your chin. Mm -hmm. Just keep it below your chin, just like I know I'm in deep, but I can breathe. And you're always doing that thing, and eventually you catch the wave. Eventually, you know, you make your way back to shore, and you feel a little bit better. But then the funny thing is, is like as soon as we start to go back, and it feels a little better, and we're a little bit less deep in the water, well, now we're bored. Well, now it's not as interesting. It's not as fun. Mm -hmm. So now we're looking for the thrill. So we're thrusting ourselves right back into the shit. Mm -hmm. And so we operate in a space where it's like, where there's this sort of, not element of danger, because what we do is not dangerous, but there's this sort of risk involved. And I think we like that thing. And we operate well there, which is why maybe you see a lot of uh, independent artists are always the folks who have the survival job or who don't necessarily live paycheck to paycheck, but they find their own source of income and thrive off of that thing because there's an element of risk to it that also thrills us with our art. Because we go, yeah, I don't make a lot of money, but the money I make is from the thing that I love. Yeah. And also because of that, I don't have to work the next two weeks and I like that thing because that time can be spent going through this fucking to-do list. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is an interesting topic because this is something that I, I think a lot of people don't verbalize. Um, I also found myself at the end there knowing that the stuff that gets in that far back in that queue, the stuff that gets far back in that list become these sort of monsters in the closet for you that you can't really tackle. Yeah. So then I would normally start to f I start to fight that notion where I'm like this isn't something I can do right now so I'm just going to put it on the further mm -hmm. end of the list and I start fighting that at the end because I knew that my queue was so stacked with shit that I got to fucking handle I'm like I, I, I'm just going to do this thing even though it's so painful to do right now because I don't want to put it on that queue yeah. and so at the end of my time on the east coast I was in that mode of like I've got so much shit that I have to fucking handle. I have so much shit that's on my back queue. And I was in this frantic mode of trying to deal with all the small stupid shit, but also making sure that I'm not back 
continuing that backlog of stuff yeah. that I wasn't actually you know, getting to. Backslide. Yeah. And so all that stress was compounded when uh, I'd say like a year ago, a year and a half ago, when Gina and I sat down and we talked seriously about our careers and whether or not it was a smart idea for us to be there for our careers. And she came to terms with it first. And she's like, we should move. We should do this thing. We should go do that. And I think my big apprehension was the fact that I had to, I had to tackle that list. Yeah. So that was my big thing. And I was like, I need a year. I need a year to tackle this list. And it's, it's especially nowadays where we deal with a lot of us have the student loans. Yeah. Every, everyone has, especially as ours, everyone has some form of lingering debt somewhere that's the fucking, the fucking ghost, the skeleton in the closet. You know what I mean? And you sort of always will brush that off going, why owe thirty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 of student loans? I'm not going to pay that off tomorrow, so I'll get to it. And then you get a good check. But then you go, yeah, but if I take some of that money and buy this stuff, this stuff will help me make more money. I'll only buy the this and that for the camera. Let me buy these lenses. Let me buy this or this. And you, you, you justify completely, and truthfully, rightly so, because it is the truth that you could take these things and make more money with it. But then now you're, now you're chasing down the work to get to that money so that you can then go put it back to the, to the debt that you have or the thing that's lingering in the closet. Yeah. And at that point, it just that's a good way to describe it because <clears> – <throat> You're paying for something that has already rewarded you, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily have to pay for it immediately. Right. And I hate that shit. That's why I hate being too far in credit card debt, yeah. especially on like on uh, on tangible items where it's like if you're someone that buys a couch and you're like, we'll just throw it on the credit card. And then you're literally sleeping on that couch, living on that couch. You're spilling wine on that couch. You're doing it all this. It has a things. different set of value to it because you know that I'm still paying for this thing. Exactly, and then you hit a point where you're like, do I really need to pay for this right now? Is this where my money should go? Hold on, I'm going to tell Gene about picking up some cigarettes real quick. <laughs> yeah, text her out. Um, but this is a fascinating little topic that we got on to, and I really hadn't thought about that. And I think that, I think when we, if we come back to what your question was, you know, what was it? It wasn't California that did it. I think it was... Yeah, like what really changed it? I think what it was was me turning around facing that list mm. and then because I had a deadline yeah I literally had to go through and and karate chop <laughs> as much as I possibly could off that fucking list exactly exactly you can shit <laughs> so then you're just working your way through it and uh I think when I finally got in the car it all culminated it was like, go through, I got to wrap up my personal life. I got to wrap up my professional life. You know, I'm out of, I'm no longer in business with Ian. So we had to go through that whole process, had to wrap up all that. So let me ask you, so I don't know what the experience was for you. So I'm curious about this. For me, sure. when I left, you know, naturally leaving. So when I left that morning, June 3rd, Lynette, and I stayed because I wanted to make sure that it was that Monday I was there to see Lynette off to work. Lynette had the baby, Maharika, with her. She leaves to take Maharika to school, and then she goes home to work. So I said, I'll, I'll stay until y'all leave to do your day, and then I'll leave. So at least that way, you know, since we have the baby four days out of the week, Thursday through, 
at least that way when she leaves she gets to say goodbye and it's a very nice easy pull of the bandaid and when you leave in that way it's easier but emotionally it's very it's a lot man it's straining i cried the whole way to george's house an hour worth of emotion but in your case with gina coming with you since you don't have to tackle that thing was there any any sort of emotion that you felt with okay i'm leaving i'm further from my family now i'm further from my friends now the connections and all that shit is whatever because at the end of the day if you ship it all the way down outside of the friends that you work with the rest are acquaintances but was there a, a feeling of ah fuck or a ping that 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 thing that sticks with you out that you really know i'm gonna miss these people um did you have that at all? No, I, yeah, but no. You cold, cynical son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this is what Gina said to me. I, I had that first emotion when I heard the idea presented to me. Yeah. So when the when when we were talking initially about making that move, I felt all that initially. So I was like, I was getting melancholy about the house because I had lived in that house for ten years, and I was getting melancholy about family and all that kind of stuff but I had that in the first two or three weeks that's how my brain works so like I once that idea and I hadn't even said yes or I agree or let's do this mm. I sort of went through all that emotionally and was depressed like I got kind of depressed early on where I was like I can't this sucks and, it, and I think I was depressed because I knew that this was the right move right but you I had to what you gotta do exactly so I, I did that early on, and then I hit a point where, you know, maybe two or three weeks after, where I was like, you're right, let's do this. I'm ready to do it. And, and I had to go through that depression, and it through, the process for me to get through that depression was like, logistically, how can we do this? And so then I started to break it down logistically. You know me. I had to break it all down and, and, and make it into something. And so then I had a list of how to handle it. I had a list of, of uh, like an instruction manual of how to go through this. And I was like, as long as I do all these steps, as long as I go through, and as long as we agree as a couple to do this, like make a certain amount of money, blah, 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 it all falls apart. So uh, I started that process. So for me, it was all that process. And then Gina was the opposite. So she, in the beginning, was like this is great this is awesome and, and she couldn't be fast enough for her it was like i want to be out of here next week and i'm like it's got to be a year there's no fucking way yeah but you know what it is man it's, it's that whole thing of like we know for a certain type of person you'll know how hard the final the catalyst moment will be and you just want to fucking yank the bandit off and go tomorrow and just get over with and done done because you feel like every day is just this fucking ticking time bomb well, before you gotta feel it for her it was crazy because uh, we were so involved with like packing the pot and getting the shit and all that crap and then we go and drop her car off at her grandmother's house and Gina's never done a big hold on on this wind sorry guys oh for wind oh yeah it feels like the guy from Big Trouble in Little China just exploded yeah good luck in the car on that one <laughs> uh, she's never done like a big move like I've done a move to New York before yeah so I kind of knew what was involved with it. She's never done a big, big move. And she was working with me, and the both of us were so, like, task-oriented, and we were so very involved with that. 
And so when we finally dropped the car off at her grandmother's house and we're driving from where she lives through all these neighborhoods that, that Gina's been her whole life. Yeah. And we're driving down the street, she got really quiet. And in my head, this is what's so fascinating about couples, is that you spend so much time trying to find synergy. Mm. And then when you, when, you, when you think you have synergy, sometimes one person feels a certain way and the other person is just convincing themselves that they feel that way so that they have this sense of yeah. synergy. But how do you really get the lines to overlap? Exactly. And sometimes, they, a lot of times they don't. And so you're riding in the car and I'm riding with her and I, my whole thing is like, I want to get on the pike. As soon as I get on the fucking pike, as soon as I'm on the goddamn pike, it's, real. it's all gone. Like, that's my whole mode, where it's just like, nothing matters, I'm on the fucking pike, and we're out of here, there's nothing else we can do. There's nothing else I can physically do to make this easier for us. Yeah. Um, and that's my mindset, and she's really quiet. And I'm getting pumped, because I'm getting closer. So yeah. I'm just like, bike's coming. Like, I'm fucking excited, and she starts bawling, and she's crying, and she's going through this whole experience. And I just look at her, and I'm like, what's going on? And it didn't occur to me, because I was in that mindset. She's like, this is the last time we're going to see this place. And this is the last time we're going to see this place. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, it's not. You're going to be back here in a few months. You know, yeah. and we're going to be back here for, for visits and stuff. But then it occurred to me, like, she's got to go through this. This, this is what I went through a yeah. year ago. Yeah. And that she, her way of being able to, to convince herself that she could do this move is that she wasn't allowing herself to go through this until the very last minute. Yeah. Because... Potentially, if she had gone through it as early as I did, it may have convinced her out of doing yeah. the move. And, and I completely agree. Lynette and I were on the upside of the coin where she was feeling it very out forward in the front leading up to. And I, I had moments, you know, for sure. You know, night before boxing up the shoes. I never realized how goddamn sad Reeboks were until right then. <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, your daughter has the same shoes as me. <laughs> but... You know, she's, she's feeling it. She's alive in those moments. And I'm sort of trying to, even when you feel it, you try to just, you know, knuckle down. You got to do this. This is the right thing to do. But I tell everybody, it's the hardest thing. Oh, how was the drive? What was the drive like? Oh, you're here now. But your lady's back home. Or oh, her daughter's back home. That's your family. They're so far from you. What's it like? It's nothing compared to just pulling out the driveway. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. Because even the days leading up to it, you're packing up. Everyone's real reminiscent, real nostalgic, enjoying everything. And you're, you're trying to not be overly emotional so you can also be present and just enjoy the new memories that are happening right now. Yeah. But then when you get in the car and you're pulling out the driveway, there's no distraction. Because the only thing talking to you is the fucking GPS. And it just tells you to go, 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 go. So you that's, that's honestly, that's the hardest part right there is just going, okay, the car's packed. I've got my shit, but you know in your heart, if you weren't going to really do it, if you weren't serious, you could always take that shit back in the house. And so that moment of just back in the car, the driveway, that's truthfully the hardest point because once you get on the road, now it's real. Now you're on your way because even though it's 3,000 miles, once you get going, you go, this is it, I'm starting it, I'm doing it. And then you sort of have at a certain point, you go, okay, it's happening. But until you do that, man, like that's 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 it. Yeah, it's, that's actually really powerful shit, man. Like it, it's we, you know, it's a just talking about it out loud. It's strange. I don't know. I'm gonna get real deep. 
it's weird being a human. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? And and as a human being, we can get real deep with this bullshit. As a human being, we're all afraid of death. We're all trying to process like the fact that we know at some point you're gonna die and how yeah. you handle that shit. But then on a micro level, you're just trying to process daily all these emotions that you're feeling. Right. And then you throw into the mix somebody else, and then you throw into the mix the people that are around you. Um, cause you got to feel what they're feeling. To a certain extent. Like, we were talking about this, about, you know, a lot of the people that we're leaving behind. Oof. And uh, one, of my, one of my friends said it best when, when I was leaving uh, Boston... He's like, how's it going? And I'm like, it's a fucking bitch. Like, it's a real bitch getting everything together. And he goes, well, of course, you're literally pulling roots out of the ground. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as, as much as that is the metaphor, that it, it works, man. It totally applies. You know, there. why do we expect that this thing should be easy? And I think that's that it goes even more to, as a testament to the artistry of the individual where you go, okay, well, I'm going to do this hard laborious thing or this emotionally laborious thing, but for this greater gain. And, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's, that adds to, to your push, to, to how you arrive at your success because you're not going, well, I've done that, and that was hard. So everything else sort of gets the volume turned down. And it's interesting, too, as you interact with other people, and people that either you've had in your entourage or people that you've had in your life. And you're, you come to your own conclusion where you're like, look, I finally got to the point where I need to change my life. And I've decided that I'm going to change my life. Then you have to also deal with the fact that your change is going to affect these people that have been with you for so long and that have been doing things for so long. And then that is an additional stress because... It isn't necessarily that anybody wants you not to do it. It's just what you're doing is adding stress to their lives at the same fucking time. Well, there's, there's definitely a thing where we enjoy being near to people that we believe in and watching them succeed. You know, It's like for me, when I was in Springfield, being 90 minutes from y'all... Man, I love being able to come on set with you guys and just PA and just be there. Because I get to watch my friends succeed. Not because of where this thing goes. Who gives a fuck about that? It's the fact that, to me, succeeding is my friend is getting to do the thing they love right now. And I get to just be in the room and watch them at their most happiest. I get to watch you direct. I get to watch Gina shoot the BTS photos. It might not be what she loves to shoot in as a whole, but I'm watching Gina take photos, and I'm seeing her having a good time. I'm seeing you shoot and, ha- and direct and have a good time. I'm seeing crew to shoot and having a good time. I'm seeing Ruben work the room and, and have a good time. I'm seeing all these pieces come together, and you go, man, what a joy to be able to just be in the same room as my friends and watch them do the thing that they love, and they are so fucking happy that they're not even noticing all this other shit going wrong. But, man, like, it's so great. And so I think a part of it is that, man, where, where you when you leave... You, your friends have to say goodbye to that thing. And then there's the other part of it where it's we don't often realize how inspirational we could be for some other folks. And take all ego out of that. Take all ego out of that. There are folks that we're friends with who want to do certain things. They, they want to do stand-up comedy or they want to write something or they, they want to act or they just love movies. And they just love the fact that we get to hang out sometimes and we just get to talk about the thing you got to work on. 
Or they get to come hang out and watch the thing you got to work on and how cool that is for them. And so when we leave, we take that with us, you know? And, and so in a way, like you say, yeah, there's the burden of taking something from somebody and them, and them now going, now it's like, oh, now you're back, now it's back to regular life. And the irony is that even for us, when we leave and take this quote-unquote thing with us, we go back to regular life. We go back to paycheck to paycheck. We go back to driving the Uber. It all becomes regular and relative. And it's this infinite loop of back and forth where while you miss this time we got to spend and these stories we got to share, I also miss being able to talk to you about the regular shit, the shit that will quote-unquote regular shit that you do. Because it's so far and different from what I do, but that's real life. And as artists, we're always sort of searching for and clinging to that taste of real life because that informs our work. How great am I as an actor if I don't have friends living the quote-unquote regular life so that I can peek into that world outside of my own existence? You know what I mean? Super smart, It all dude. feeds itself. It all feeds itself, and we all feed each other. That's very smart. It's a very smart outlook. I didn't think about a lot of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean... That fucking mosquito got me, too. We're both scratching ankles right now. These motherfuckers, dude. Episode 200, a little more the process. Scratching ankles <laughs> with Mike Pesci. I've got them, like, little bruises. There's this fucking mosquito plant here. We're gonna fucking... We're gonna nuke it. A mosquito plant? I think they like to fucking breed. And they, what were you calling these things? Uh, oh, the birds of paradise. Yeah, I think they like to breed in these fucking things. Well, the, the hummingbirds definitely love it. They come, to, come to Mike's house. You get to see beautiful exotic plants, eat grapes off the vine, and, and witness a hummingbird. Bring your camera. How funny. Like, all right, I'm just going to take a little moment and pat myself on the back. How fucking cool is that, that this is my transitional house from fucking East Coast? It's literally, like I said, the best house for you. What was it you have? <laughs> grapes grow here. There's an avocado tree on the driveway. And there's a lemon tree in the front yard. Like, hold on. For a guy who loves to cook as much as you do, the only other thing that could be better if you were like, yeah, and the neighbors have goats that we share the space in the backyard with. And then we slaughter them. And they got cows and shit and chickens. So I can just get eggs whenever I want. And when they when they get ready to put the fucking old Bessie down, I could probably get, you know, a little quarter pound of beef. Get a little Angus off the deal. Why not? Gina was like, we're going to lose so much weight when you move to California. I'm like, you live with me, yeah, sweetheart. Yeah, you only eat out of your yard, maybe. <laughs> oh, well, the one. cool thing is the way you cook, man, it's like nothing, nothing is... Okay, everyone can have their diet, and it can be real specific, what's healthy, what's not healthy, what you can't eat, blah, blah, blah. But, dude, the shit you cook is so good, oh, and the portions are small. So you can get in here and have three or four tacos, but not be like, oh, God, man, button the pants. And you still feel like, one, this shit looks beautiful when the place is in front of you. Thanks. And then, two, when you eat it, you're like, man, this is really good. And I don't feel like a fat piece of shit American when I'm done. This is not a quarter pounder with cheese. It's not a Royale with cheese. <laughs> you can flatter me any day, man. It's great. And as opposed to, it's uh, the, the, the Stark. <laughs> Stark. Too many beers. Stark. Stark. Burt, 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 Burt. It is the uh, stark contrast to when Kruda gives me shit. Because... Have you seen the group that we're in, that we've made, the text group? No. All right, so a lot of people don't know this because it's not public, but I'll talk about it. Also, Mike, you're showing your age. Text groups are only privy to people in the text group. <laughs> Mike's like, have you seen the text group we're in? No, motherfucker, it's not in the text group. I'm like, what do you mean have I seen? I yeah, I hacked your I had... phone and I happened to notice uh, I didn't know if I had a couple already weeks shown back you. at 9.30 p.m. <laughs> no! I had already, I thought, uh, maybe I had shown you the text group. Sorry, that was the fear of loss talking. <laughs> what were you saying? 
<laughs> so we have a uh, we have a little barbecue group. So me, Crudo. Yeah, keep me out of it. I don't. I, yeah, I'm not a barbecuer. I'm not. I'll just do nothing but upset your stomach. Dude, and all we do is uh, show each other what we're working on, and we're trying to up things. So, oh, it's shit. great. It's like uh, Ruben's in it. Crude, uh, in it. Um, a bunch of dudes that Crudo knows. Crubin and Ruda. <laughs> Jesus Christ, how many beers we had? Uh, and then uh, there's a bunch of dudes from New York, and so it's all barbecue nerds. No shit. And uh, Cruda started it, so I'll give him full credit. Uh, but it was him and me first, and then he's been inviting like these super nerds to the super nerds to the group. Yeah. And he gets these guys in that are just like, this is the correct temperature. This is what I'm supposed to do it at. And it starts to get really fucking nerdy. Oh shit. And. I just, I'm the trashy, I feel like I'm the trashy cook. So for me, I'm just like, as long as it fucking tastes good. I don't give a shit about what the temperature was, whether or not I wrapped the inside so, of the fucking smoker. So hold on. So since I made a reference to you and Mark Maron on the podcast, and since Mark Maron already had the podcast, so you're now the, the Mark Maron in the kitchen. That's you. <laughs> what the fuck in the kitchen with Mike Pesci? I, I'm not saying any of that. It's just. What the cook? With Mike Pesci. Did I, did I show you? I don't know if we talked about this, but... And I, I don't think I talked about this on the show. Um, what, we, what, we, what we do in this group, and it's, this is actually really good. When you're hanging out with your friends and you actually have something else that you're interested in outside the business. And it's... Honestly, Kurt and I now talk more about barbecue than we talk about movies. Yeah. You know, and I know that he's my he's my dude and if we're gonna if we're gonna shoot something we'll get real fucking yeah. nerdy about it. Yeah. And when we first started our relationship, you know, our, our fucking you know, whatever this is. Uh you say bromance. Okay. Bromance, yeah. yeah. I, say no homo anymore. I was looking for a dirtier way to say it, but I couldn't get it there. Um, sexual tension between males? Our fucking <laughs> our, our, our fucking Tinder, our fucking our flinder for film. For Your film grinder? Ones. Your film grinder? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when we first started, it was always like, did you see this movie? And this is camera yeah. move. And that was most of our texts. And then when we found this sort of common bond over barbecue, the transition has been yeah, so quick. It becomes deeper because well, it's beyond what it is you each do. Exactly. And it's escape. At that mm-hmm. point, we both have a hobby that's an escape. Mm-hmm. And so we started texting each other and I think I was grilling and smoking and I would just send him text and then he was like check out what I'm grilling and smoking and he was sending me text and then he started a group and so showing my age I'm, I don't give a fuck about any of this stuff and he's like, <laughs> he's like you embrace it Mike embrace it he's like you want to join a group and I was like yeah alright so he started a group and then uh Wow, kudos to Kuda for even asking for us, not just fucking tossing you in the rabbit hole <laughs> of fucking 40 unread messages and you look at your phone like what the, the fuck? fuck I'm not reading all this so uh, so we started a group, and so then uh, what we do in the group now is that whenever we're motivated to barbecue, we start to send each other pictures of what we're doing. And it's this thing that keeps us on our toes, basically, yeah. where it's just like, like he'll send me something at like uh, 7 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning, and he's got ribs and he's prepping them. He's like, this is what I'm doing today. And I'm, if I catch it in time, excuse me, because you have to get started that early. Yeah. Um, then I'll I'll be like, oh cool, maybe I'll do the same thing. Yeah. So recently, <laughs> I love telling this story. Recently, uh, I was packing up at the house to leave, and he sent a series of texts, and I didn't have my phone. And he was like, I'm gonna start grilling ribs, and yeah. so we started to put the rib shit together. And it was like 1:30 that I saw, I saw these texts, and so I'm going through them. 
And he's doing, he's got a good rack of ribs. He's doing some really good shit. And I'm like, motherfucker. And I'm just looking through these texts because I know that it's 1.30 and I need a good five hours to smoke. So I'm just like, motherfucker. And he's doing really and cool. you got to get it done before he goes to bed because it's three hours difference. So you exactly. got to, <laughs> exactly. you're racing the clock now. So I'm just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And I'm looking at all these things. And I'm sitting there on the couch and I'm getting hungry. So I'm looking at him going, I want fucking ribs. Like, that's what I want. And I don't want to go somewhere to get ribs because they're going to be shitty. And I want ribs. And I just look at Gina and I'm like, fuck it. So I go to the store, pick up my shit. So then I start to send texts. I start to send pictures and texts. So my first picture, and I, these are all on Instagram. So follow me at Mike Petchy on Instagram. It's a very exciting second act, stuff. by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, I start sending pictures, and my first round of pictures are the ribs. And if you ever do, I like doing baby backs. Um, a lot of people give me shit for that because everybody's like St. Louis style, and you fuck you. Baby backs are great. They got the, that hunk of meat on them. We'll do them this weekend. They get that hunk of meat on them. And so I'm prepping my baby backs. And one of the things that I hate, a pet peeve that I have with ribs, this is a film show, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the, the pet peeve that I have with ribs is when they don't take off the membrane. So you know what the membrane is? No, no, I don't. So me. on the back side of the ribs, there's a... Oh, like that, lay, that thin layer of fat. That's from that it's like that thin layer of film that runs along the back okay, of the ribs. So and if you don't take that off, a lot of rib places that are just sort of churning shit out don't mm-hmm. do it because it's kind of a cunt to actually pull it off you actually have to slide a really dull blade in there, and then you have to use because it's super hard to grip. You got to use a paper towel, and you got to rip it all off when it's raw. It's really kind of a bastard to do. And I could see if you're doing like fucking 20, 30, 40 racks of ribs, and you're like, I get him in there. It's a bastard to do. But if you don't take off the membrane in the back, any seasoning that you do on the back of the rib doesn't penetrate the membrane. Right. So whenever I go somewhere and they're like, these guys have the best fucking ribs ever, and I look at the back of the rib and the membrane's on there, it's like, these guys are fucking amateur out. Well, so if the membrane, is the membrane like fat? Is that fair to say? No, it's it's literally like, it's like a, it's almost like a saran wrap that runs over the back of the ribs. Ah, okay. Because I was thinking if it was like fat, then it's going to sweat, so it's, it's basically rinsing off your fucking season. No, anyway, fat's so. good. Fat's good. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, sorry, guys. That is the... Uh, Amazon. That is the that is the, the US, U.S. post office right there. It's not UPS. Uh, it's USPS. USPS. I always fuck that up. Uspis. Uspis. <laughs> you can tell we've been drinking. Uh, <laughs> I'm going into this, guys, so, so stick with me. So you take the membrane off. Yeah. So my first post was me peeling the membrane off and seasoning the meat. Yeah. Now, if you're anybody that smokes anything, you realize that now, after I went to the grocery store and I got this shit, it's now 2.30. Mm. So Kruda said it gives me a chuckle, and he's like, hm, starting late or some shit like that. Oh, fired you right up, but he yeah. motherfucker. And so then I was like, okay, it's cool. So I peel it back, and I rub the ribs, and then I send another picture, and it's me opening up my Instapot. And I'm putting the ribs in the Instapot. Ooh. Now, this is a barbecue group. So immediately I get, what the fuck are you doing? So it's just like, what the fuck? And run, 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 run. It's all yeah, this kind of... this is not the Instapot, what? Yeah, and I was just, just like, whoa, 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 relax, relax, relax. You might as well have been 40 and said, but Instagram is the next thing. Like that's... <laughs> yeah. So I'm putting them in the Instapot, seal them up, 
And mind you, he's still smoking his ribs. Yeah. So throw him in the Instapot, put him in there for 40 minutes. Oh, shit. So they go in there for 40 minutes. In the meantime, I'm making, <laughs> I'm making a cauliflower rice because Gina doesn't want to eat rice. Oh, no shit. So I'm doing... Uh, ground up cauliflower and I'm um, putting together fried rice I'm doing a cauliflower fried now, rice now when that comes out when you do cauliflower rice is it sort of like uh, would it be would you compare it to like a quinoa um no it kind of mm, it's like a, a really sort of gr- granular maybe it's like a quinoa meets like a like a brown rice it's like a great it's mm. it's granular but it's really great you have to do it right with with cauliflower rice I feel like the trick is that you have to, what I do is I, this is a whole episode about food now. Uh, (laughs) What I do is I take the cauliflower, I cut it into florets, I put it in a food processor with garlic. So I'll take fresh garlic, put it in there with it, and uh, depending upon the type of rice, I'm Italian, so as many clothes as I can Uh, fit in there. Yeah, 26. so I put a bunch of garlic in there. I put a little onion in there. And then whatever spices I'm going to do, whether it's like a cilantro, nice. if you go on that route, or if you're doing like a rosemary, you do it that way. Nice. You blend the fuck out of it. That comes out uh, in a little rice-sized granular pieces. Yeah. Um, and then what I do is I throw them in a pan with just a little bit of oil, and I literally cook off all the moisture. That's the trick. So when you usually do cauliflower... If you're going to pan sear it or if you go get cauliflower in a bar that is baked, yeah. it's really moist still and they usually put yeah, seasoning. bar? No shit. Oh, yeah, dude. There's places in New York that you can get anywhere now, but it started kind of in like the hipper spots where you yeah. can go instead of getting fries, you can get uh, broiled or baked cauliflower with seasoning on it. No shit. It's really fucking good. And so you would essentially get it if you're going to buy it, you could buy it in a block like if you were buying cheese. Like when you say bar, you mean like that, like all like a block like that? No, 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 no. What do you mean? What do you mean a block? You set up, you could get it in a bar. In a bar. Oh, like an actual bar. Like a bar. I'm thinking about you making it at home and like like a bar, like a block of it. I was like, holy shit. What is this fucking Fight Club? No, I'm not talking I don't about know, soap. Man. <laughs> 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 that was already balls. Like, man, we're going deep in the rabbit hole. You can get cauliflower in blocks now. I got a cinder block of cauliflower in the bag. Just cut off a slice. <laughs> How many bears are we hey, having? I'm from Delaware, man, so we, we get fucking pork back in blocks. We call it Scrapple. <laughs> no, at a bar. So you go to a bar, you can get cauliflower at a bar instead ah, of like a snack. Okay. So, um, so you grind it up, you cook the moisture out, and then you reintroduce moisture. Mm. So like, when you cook out all that moisture, it becomes like a rice at that point. Yeah. And then I reintroduce, like I might do like a little chicken broth or uh, something that has the flavor that I want the cauliflower to infuse be infused mm. with and one of the things that i like to do is a cauliflower fried rice so when you actually cook down the cauliflower get all the water out of it then you start to introduce like sesame seed oil and all these flavors that you would get from like a rice or an asian food dish or like a thai flavoring and that kind of thing uh and then you don't notice the fucking difference so you do like a Cauliflower rice. Sometimes I like to do some green peas, uh, egg Friday or scrambled eggs, Ooh, that good. like all that stuff. So I started posting pictures of 
cauliflower and all these things. And of course, it's a barbecue group and it's a meat group. So all the guys start getting fucking irritated. And they're just like, because you already put fucking ribs in a in a instant pot, and now you're making fucking tofu, basically. You know, like oh fuck this guy. Well, you know my philosophy. I like going into someone's place and rubbing my fucking dirty shoes on their couch, and that's basically. So fuck your couch. <laughs> you're the Rick James of the fucking barbecue group. So that's basically what I'm doing. I mean, they're intentionally doing this. So I'm posting these pictures, and they're all getting heated. And so then uh, the Instapot, 40 minutes later, goes off. So I take video of me popping the lid on the Instapot. Steam rolls out. (laughs) Steam rolls out. And then I carefully have to take out the ribs, which are like, I can literally just push the bone out of the ribs at this point. And so they come out, and they lay on a tray. And I'm just getting comments. I'm just getting these things like, not barbecue, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So then cut to me lighting my chimney on the barbecue. So I'm lighting the chimney on the barbecue. I'm like, wait for it. And so then I start to, I take the ribs and I throw them on a hot grill. Isn't that such a gratifying feeling when you get it hot? It could be a pot, pan, stove, grill, whatever. But when you get it hot and you drop it. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. man, that's a fucking good feeling every time. So I throw them on there, and then I got myself a jar of the most, the reddest, you know, aso sauce. No. You ever have Chinese ribs? Oh yeah, yeah, the most spare ribs, the red sauce they put on it. The the racist fucking Chinese sauce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got my uh, myself. It's called aso. It's A I S O. Yeah. A I S O. So I got myself some aso sauce, and I lather these things in aso sauce, and then I just, car- just crush that motherfucker. Motherfucker, try to get my mouth. Oh my god, the skeeters. That's, that was not consensual. <laughs> <laughs> so then I lather, I lather these things in aso sauce, and then I brown them, caramelize them, yeah. and then I throw sesame seeds on top of them, and they were the most decadent, white trash fucking Chinese ribs oh, that I've ever made. And I posted the whole thing on there. And then uh, Kruda posts his really good-looking standard barbecue ribs on there. You're a piece of shit. Kruda posts his really good-looking <laughs> standard, very middle-of-the-road, basic, not all too exciting ribs. <laughs> like, oh, and I love the fact that everybody in the group were asking me about my recipe for my piece-of-shit <laughs> ribs. Which I had done in an hour and a half. Meanwhile, Kruda had started the conversation, and he's now the kid who no, nobody wants to play with anymore. Even though, but I brought the football. Yeah, but Mike's got a nerf. But it whistles when you throw it. So I, I don't know. I just want to throw it a couple times. We're still, you can play with us, too. <laughs> I loved it. Moral of the story is, you have to have these little hobbies. I got such a fucking pure satisfaction out of that and now in that group I'm that guy that does fucking trashy cooking that tastes really good and these guys are getting I'll have to show you pictures these guys are getting fucking nerdy about it yeah um, which is cool because at the same time you're inspiring one another you know what I mean like what's cooler than okay this is the this is the way traditionally do it and somebody comes with a new thing and now everyone has now been injected with this new thing that they can try and then we have to try it with ribs maybe they say fuck I've been thinking about doing this over here let me try it with that you know, dude, it's a, it's it's such a, you know what's so nice about it, and if you're listening to the show and you're like Jesus Christ, Mike, I have listened to how many episodes? We haven't talked about film in a while. 
The show's called In Love With The Process, Motherfucker. So this is all part of it. And the process. It's all part of it. But the thing that's really great about it... Hold on as I burp. Hold on, this is really rude. Uh. Oh, God, there it is. You know that's a beer burp because there's like a sort of hollow tick on the end. Yeah. <sighs> Which was like a little bit of food kicking up. Yeah. It's like a little bit of puke, but not yet. Yeah, a little stomach acid came out of that one. <laughs> uh, but the thing that's great about it is that you're learning how to in- interact yeah. with other people... You're learning how to learn from these other people, and you're keeping your you're learning crew morale. Yeah, and yeah. and that's invaluable. And in, in being in this it's scenario, because so when I moved out of here, Cruda did such a really good job because he knows a lot of folks out here, and he knows how hard it is to get settled. So he, without me asking, fucking pure gentleman, literally just sent like twelve emails out to people that he knows out here and introduced yeah. me. And so it was just like, boom, boom, boom. I, I opened up my email and it was like, hey, this is so-and-so. Hey, this is so-and-so. Hey, this is so-and-so. And the thing that we have to talk about, which is really great, is barbecue. Yeah. And so most of these conversations were like, this is so-and-so. He's a producer, but he loves fucking barbecue. And this yeah. is so-and-so. He's someone that, and he loves this. And so my conversations now don't have to be just about the fucking work. And to be one, another fucking hungry motherfucker that's like... Hey, uh, so yeah, I'm looking for work, and it's just like yeah, get in line, yeah. you know. At this point, it's like oh, so you like the barbecue too? Yeah, cool. Because I'm gonna grill. So if you want to hang out and grill, I love the compliment sandwich. How you you completely completely destroyed Curtis barbecue, and then was like, but he's a gentleman and a scholar. I just gotta say that because I know there's gonna be somebody listening who's gonna get to that point and go. Yeah, fuck you. You just totally railroaded this guy's barbecue ribs. But now you got nice things to say. Cruda, we still love you, brother, but I had to get that one out. But no, man, like, I, I, I get it, man. I get it. You know, um, if, if Cruda to you is what uh, my buddy George Lee is to me. Yeah. You know, and for George and I, we're not... We don't have the con- connectivity like you and Cruda have between food. For us, it's more philosophy. So, yeah, the other night... I'm sitting in my car, having a smoke, we're talking, and we get to talk in life, and again, the connectivity between, between all things in existence, and talking about the, what the value of money means, what that means, and just, just really getting super fucking meta with it, because it sounds goofy, and we, we're of a certain age, George is 36 now, but I don't know, but 35, we're of a certain age where certain things you're like, ah, come on, get that dumb shit out, that's, that's millennial, you brush it off. Yeah. But some of those conversations are worthwhile having because of the fact that we are of a different age group than the people that have that, that are so sensitive to certain things. We can take that subject matter and go, okay, we're, we're very stable of mind. Let's really sit down and have a conversation between you and I, see if our opinions differ, and let's discuss that thing and really hem and haul this subject and this, this idea that everyone is on, and let's discuss that between us and see what we think. And... And so, in the sense that like, you have these conversations with Kruda, I can have you about barbecue. George and I have these conversations of philosophy and life and all the all things of the universe. Yeah, you need to, at the end of the day, be able to have conversations with someone that you love to work with. Because I love to work with George. The way he shoots is amazing. You have to be able to have that work that those conversations with someone you work with that don't have to do with the work. Yeah, you have to. Because you have to talk a, about barbecue. You got to talk about life. Because what's going to happen when you go to the networking event? What's going to happen when you go to the party? I guarantee you, 
the conversation that does the most for you is not going to be the one about movies. Yeah. It's not. It's going to be the conversation about barbecue. It's going to be the conversation where you bring up Alan Watts and philosophy and you can dive deep because it's the thing that you love so much that you spent so much time on it, you didn't realize you loved it. And then you found yourself in the room talking to somebody who had an equal admiration for this thing. And all of a sudden, you're really excited to continue talking to this person. And then, I'm excited to talk to them. And it's not about film. You could be an actor talking to a casting director. And you go, wow, man, they're as excited about Pokemon cards as I am. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. You know, it could be a producer and you're the director and you, you hit it off on barbecue. You hit it off on the fucking travel channel. You talk about plants. One of you, both of you like the bird watch. It could be anything. But it goes back to that same thing we always discuss about finding yourself as a normal human being and outside of this work that we do, which we all love, which we all love to death and we would do to our dying breath if we could and we'd love to spend every moment of every day doing it. We'd love to feed our families with this, buy a house. We would love the whole life to be circled around this. But what do you do to fill in the blanks? How do you refill the tank? And it's got to be those normal things. And those, again, quote-unquote normal things are the things that when you find yourself in the room with somebody, you will really click with them off those things. Well said, dude. Well said. Um, I think we're good. I think that's an episode. That was a fucking solid episode. That was pretty good. I think it was a good one. I like the rib story. We'll be playing that back a couple times. I can't wait to see Karuta just so I can be like, sorry, I heard about these ribs that weren't that good as Mike's in the Instapot. He's going to see that conversation completely <laughs> differently. He's going to see, gonna see it coming and be like, shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Karuta almost has like an impervious armor to bullshit. Like you got to ding, 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 ding. You got to like give it a few and you go, ah, that's it. And then go for it. <laughs> He's going to look at it and go, I, w- I wasn't even writing to him. I, w- I didn't even give a fuck about his post. I don't yeah. even care. <laughs> I wasn't even caring about it. Uh, no, he's been killing. He just bought a uh, a smoker like mine, and he's been killing it. This motherfucking mosquito. Oh, I just saw it. He's gonna get it. He is gonna uh, get it. That's about three bites deep, Mike. You got eight now. Yeah, that's good. I've got the uh, West Nile virus. West Nile, yeah, West Nile virus. How wild is that? There's no Nile near us. Dude, what do you think about it? It's weird, man. What is it? It was West Nile, and what's the other big one that's? Uh... Chattahoochee. Charles River. Did, did, you just say, did you just say tattered hoochie? <laughs> Chattahoochee. But shut up, tattered hoochie. I mean, that's a good way to get disease, too, but hey. Don't go near her. <laughs> We're going to play this back, and that's going to sound like somebody hit the brakes really hard. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, All right. Man. Well, anyway. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you listening to the show. And you know what? I'm, while I'm here, I'm going to do some ad reads because uh, I usually do ad reads halfway through the show, but I'm going to do them here at the end of the show. Um, so I just want to take a moment here and thank all of the longtime sponsors of this podcast. Uh, first up are my good buddies over at Puget Systems. If you are a director, if you're a editor, if you're a photographer, if you're a gamer, if you're someone that is in the market for a new computer... And you look at the price tags for some of the more expensive. Uh, let's just get to it. If you look at the price tags for an Apple or a Mac and you're just like, this is fucking ridiculous. What am I paying for? Understand that you're not just cornered into that marketplace anymore. In our business, you can use a Mac or PC. If you're using Adobe products, run the same way on both. 
Um, and at this point, the only thing that was holding us back years ago was that PCs don't run off ProRes, but now they do. So there's zero holding you back. You can build yourself an upgradable high-speed PC for, for a fraction of the price of what it costs for all the marketing and the unboxing experience with those other programs, or the other machines, rather. Um, and if you are going to build your own PC, uh, that which is a process in itself, uh, go to PewDieSystems.com because those guys actually will post their benchmark tests and the results of what they've done their research on, which will help you build a PC. But if you're someone like me who doesn't have time to be tech support for the people that you work with um, and you want to have something that comes out of the box and works immediately, go to PewDieSystems.com, check it out. You can choose a PC based upon the program you use. You can actually do a pull down menu and choose the program you use and they'll give you a baseline PC, but they really enjoy talking to their customers. So you can talk to them specifically and tell them what it is that you need, the kind of money that you want to spend, and they will help you build the perfect computer. So check it out. Go to PugetSystems.com. Uh, also, a longtime sponsor of the show, from the East Coast, my good boys at Rule Boston Camera. If you are a director or a photographer and you're having trouble keeping up with the latest gear, the hottest trends in the marketplace, I tell you this, don't bother. Don't buy yourself a new camera unless you have a job that's going to pay for it in its entirety. Go form a good relationship with your local rental house because then you have access to all the newest, latest, and greatest shit. I don't know how many times I've dealt with a producer who likes to read trade magazines and they tell me that they want to shoot on a specific camera just because they read that it was cool. Um, and at that point, that camera may not be the one that you purchased. So go, I highly suggest that you go make a good friendship relationship with your local rental house. And if you're on the East Coast in the Boston area, rural Boston camera are my dudes. I love those guys. I miss those guys being on the West Coast. Um, I'm going to try to find a West Coast equivalent. And I will continue to show love for Rule Boston Camera because I love those guys. Um, and then also uh, sponsoring the show are our good buddies over at Quasar, Quasar Science. Uh, they build uh, amazing LED, bicolor LED lights, They rainbow color LED lights. If you're on the market for a new lighting package, definitely go check out QuasarScience.com. You can find really good lights there. Um, and I have a bunch more uh, new sponsors coming on the show as the shows continue. I may just sort of jump in here and throw a couple in at this point. And then again, I might not. So um, I really appreciate you guys listening and um, very much happy and very much um, a lot of love and respect going out to everybody who has supported the show with donations, supported the show by buying prints, supported the show by purchasing things from my Instagram account. All of the money that you guys spend on the show goes into the show. Whether it's this uh, Zoom recorder that I'm holding in my hands, whether it's to pay for web hosting fees, or whether it's to pay for those beers that I'm burping over to try to get this ad out. So <clears throat> one way or another, you help the show become what it is. So I, I appreciate all you guys. And if you want to give any feedback, if you want to check out any of the photos or film footage if you want to see pictures of those ribs that i was talking about uh definitely go check me out at mike petchy on instagram or you can follow the podcast at in love with the process pod that's in love with the process pod on instagram as well so thanks for listening to the show and i'm gonna go back to hanging on the porch here with lance in our awesome new space here in california thanks for listening